When 80s punk rock goes horribly wrong, welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. All right, all right, we're back in action. We're going to talk about some tomfoolery that happened in the state of um, Minnesota. So I hope you're oh, ready. Minnesota. All yeah. right. Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know, right? <laughs> so um, it took me quite a few tries to get the intro ready, but you'll understand once you see this dude's picture why I said what I said because I was like, oh, okay, I'm talking about this guy for sure. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this guy looks like. Yeah, you're going to be like, um, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not an infamous case, but uh, it's very graphic and it's super bizarre. I think, to say the least, not Ooh. that it's not that it's unlikely or that it's, you know, uh, one of a kind type of thing. But we are going to talk about the Brahm axe murders. So Brahm, like Brahm's lullaby, like B-R-O-M. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Oh, yeah. Different spelling. So, yeah, um, I'm just going to jump right in and we'll get to the business at the end because. We yes. are going to talk about some things. So <clears throat> let's start with the town, shall we? We're going to we're going to go all small town murder quality on this one. All right. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do it. We are going to be in Cascade Township located in Olmstead County, which is really close to um, Rochester, Minnesota. Okay, and that name I've heard of. Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of New York. Rochester, Rochester somewhere. Rochester. Yes, I think so. Whatever. So, I don't know um, shit about Minnesota. <laughs> right. So Minnesota, one, is known for the Mayo Clinic. I don't know if you've oh, ever heard okay. of that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I know what the Mayo Clinic is. So that's Rochester. Okay. And this is a suburb of that. So the... <laughs> Get this, the 2018 census gathered a whopping 2,859 people living in the town. <laughs> oh, so everybody knows your business. Smaller defiance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, you know, this is where the Brom family just, they planted some roots, right? Nice little suburb <laughs> for a suburban family. Right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Midwestern. Uh, Culture at its finest right there. Exactly. And in this city, in February of 1988, something absolutely sinister is about to go down, right? So Satanic panic times, too. This is the satanic panic, and you will understand when you see this kid's picture. I'm telling you. <laughs> so the Brom family unit consisted of mom, Paulette, dad, Bernard, and four kids total. Joe, who was 18, David, who was 16, Diane, 13, and Richard, 11. Uh, so all-American family, you know, yeah, they, lots they were, of kids. yeah, they were, um, they were just like all other families until they weren't, right? <laughs> until they weren't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the house, this is a four bedroom, 
two and a half bath, 2,196 square foot. It oh, is big. Yeah, it's on a two acre lot big. Nice, nice. Two, Good for yeah. you guys, Brom family. Two car attached garage, fully equipped with the basketball hoop in the front. Shoot. Right. Long driveway and a thicket of trees completely surrounding the property, including the front of the house. So you can really, in the winters, you can see the house. Obviously, the, all the leaves are falling. But in the summers or springs, you know, you can't really see the house too much. It's just the driveway and then a little peak of the garage. Okay. So this is a nice, quiet neighborhood from the looks of it. And I actually looked it up on Zillow. <laughs> so creepy. Nice. But... uh. It sold after what had happened in 1992 uh, for a whopping 129000 So um, back then, you know, that might have been a lot for that area, but it's worth a hell of a lot more. It's worth $444,800 currently. Oh, shit. I know. Oh, I'm like, shit. damn, dude, why couldn't I get that investment? <laughs> And and you could Airbnb that bitch with the the history. I'm assuming. It, yes. I mean, from what you've said so far, you know there there is like um, haunted America and stuff have had articles about this house and everything. So actually, yeah, I would capitalize on that shit, man, for, for sure. sure. So the long winding driveway covered with a thicket of trees masked the home pretty well, right? But you know, David Brom. A sophomore at Lord's Roman Catholic High was having, you know, one Yikes. hell of a time at school. You know, he's struggling to have a decent relationship with his parents, mainly his father. He's he's 16. He goes to a Catholic school. He wants to be a little edgy and stuff. But it's weird because later on when police are investigating and everything, teachers are saying stuff like, oh, this kid and his friends were like, the good guys, you know, they'd always like help each other out or they would do stuff that not like bullies and stuff. They weren't like that. So this okay. is this is surprising. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is okay. surprising. Isn't it always fucking surprising, though? I mean, let's get anytime you watch something in 2020. He was such a good kid. Did uh, nothing would happen, you know? Yeah. Right. But such this a good is family. This is intense because. uh David was diagnosed with severe depression and he had issues Aww. with his father telling him what he could and could not do. More on this later. And everybody, I mean, when I was 16, my dad wasn't going to let me listen to, you know, sweat dripping down people's balls and shit. You know, like they're just, <laughs> not, they're just not going to let you listen to that. So uh, the oldest son, Joe. He didn't live at the parents' house at the time. He moved out. He went to college. So he was not living under the roof at this time. With raging hormones, severe depression, getting his buttons pushed for the last time. On February 17th, 1988, at school, David tells a friend he's going to kill his parents that night. He's like, I'm just, oh shit, I'm going to off my parents. I've had enough. So, you know, when you're a friend, you're like, okay, mm, like, you don't really think nothing of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny joke. But really, right. he's he's serious. Now, <clears throat> the motive, him and his father were having a go at it over a cassette tape of a band David really liked. And uh, his dad was not having any of that. 
This is what? This is uh, 88, you said? This is 88. So Okay. The I band, can't wait. The band is, um, he liked the band Negative Land. Uh, I don't know what the hell that is. So it's a college band from the late 80s. Okay. I'm not really sure. I didn't, I did not um, listen to them. But, oh yeah, oh yeah, by the way, chores are bullshit too, so he's not having any of that either. He's like, fuck chores, I'm going to listen to whatever music I want to, this is the plan, I'm just going to do, I'm going to off my parents because I just don't like responsibility and I want to be a rebel, basically. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to say before you're finished, uh, that sounds like every fucking 16 year old I know right. until you went to the whole I'm gonna off my parents part. I'm like, except oh, for that last one <laughs> so I'm like oh shit I have a 16 year old here I hope, hope that's not a right. fucking thought process shit. Yee, yee. Uh, no so uh, right. well, I'm, I'm gonna backtrack just slightly and Dave um, Dave David had attempted suicide twice with the oh. la- latest attempt being only a few months before he makes the decision to ultimately kill his parents. Uh, so, obviously, he's fighting some severe demons, and he's, yeah. you know, now now it's the satanic panic. It's like main panic time, and everyone is kind of on edge over that, and now this stuff is happening where he's so depressed and... um. Later on in this episode, I'm going to talk about a friend of the family's that touches more on this a little bit, which is interesting because I didn't read it anywhere else. Okay. But um, <clears throat> around 11 p.m. on February 17th, 1988, David and his father get into an argument over this cassette tape. Uh, you know, he doesn't like this band. He doesn't want this trash in his house. Dad, he just says, you got to get rid of it. And David decides that he's going to stay up until three in the morning, go and get a axe and use that as the murder weapon to carry out what he ultimately told his friend he's going to do tonight. So it's actually February 18th, you know, 3 a.m. But he doesn't just kill his parents. No, this is a Wednesday. A Wednesday. Oh my God! Just okay. hump day. I'm over it. I'm just yes. It bizarre, right? Oh, all right. It's all not right. like a Friday and you got the weekend to get the fuck out of dodge. Right? right? That, He's like, oh, Wednesday. This seems like the day. Right. Right. Uh, okay. You don't ever start a workout plan on a Wednesday. Just throwing it right. out there. <laughs> Dang. So, I don't know. so yeah, not only is he going to kill his parents, but his younger two siblings can't live to tell the <gasps> tale either. So he's going to no. take care of them as well. Yeah. So this seemingly tight-knit Christian family gets the shock of a lifetime when David, only 16, he grabs the axe and he does what he thinks in his mind at the time is appropriate for his uh, unruly parents telling him to do chores and telling him what not to listen to, right? So everything's upstairs. The bedrooms are upstairs. So he heads up the stairs to his parents' bedroom, axe in hand. He sees his father in the bed and starts to strike him with the axe. Uh, Mom was not in the room, however, and as she proceeds to head back to her bedroom, 
David then confronts her in the hallway, striking her repeatedly as well. <gasps> so mom and dad are down, and David turns his attention to his siblings. He first heads oh to God. his younger brother's room, and he's on a rampage at this point also because he hits his brother numerous times. And his younger sister was now in the hallway standing over her mother when David walks back into the hallway to find her because she's not in her room. So he's oh not letting God. anyone live through this. And he strikes his sister with the axe as well. So dad and brother are in their rooms and mom and daughter in the hallway. I had a hard time finding like what specifically was hit on each person, you know, like how many times or where were they post-mortem, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. But right. I couldn't find anything like that. But the injuries from the acts sustained by all four victims are 56 in total. Which, Holy fuck. Yeah, which focused on the head and torso of the victims. So this isn't like I'm strategically hitting you once so you're done. Like he is in a fit of rage just going at it. Just going at it. And I don't know if you've ever used an axe before, but that takes a lot of fucking might to I, even yeah. like split some wood, man. Like I mean that's even all I mean axe throwing going axe throwing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's that's and that's not even hitting like a fucking surface you know what i mean exactly. like then you gotta yank it gets stuck you gotta yank it out there's like a whole bunch of shit that goes oh and he I just decides imagine. one day that he's gonna do this it's it's bananas so like i said this is a crime of passion okay that he's he's irate he's just i'm over it and i i wanted to find out more information on like did he eventually say why he killed his siblings? But right. it's not known. So, like, I'm guessing he may have just done it because he couldn't stop himself and he was in, like, a blind fit of rage and he or he didn't want anyone to survive this, to suffer, you know? Like, I'm not really, I'm not sure. One, that just kind of made me think of something. So when I do some research, like, and I come across, like, cases from different states that I'm not used to like researching mm -hmm. and I just wonder if Minnesota is the same way a lot of states have a law where they close that information I like believe that. for example Florida okay why do we why do most podcasts like talk about states or stuff from Florida because Florida has a completely open like everything is public record there yeah. but a lot of states in the midwest don't have that it's like the opposite like I find a lot of cases that I can read actual documents from from Michigan but not from Ohio. So yeah. I wonder if Minnesota is one of those states where like their laws are just. That'd be interesting. Any, any Min yeah. Minnesota uh, listeners out there uh, comment on our Instagram posts of this, this whack dude's picture because. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, just let us know. And honestly, I, I was thinking that because when I was doing the research and I was one, I was looking on Wikipedia and a lot of the citations even, like the link is dead, it just says dead link, dead link, because you can't click it because yeah. it's not available anymore. So that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, um, I I thought I it was really know. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why is why are these Midwestern fucks like why do we gotta hide <laughs> shit? You know? Like oh, come on. Yeah. I know. We're the most curious of all them of them all. So I, I'm, let us know. <laughs> I am. 
I know, same. So after the murders, David does not even try to hide the evidence, clean anything up, get rid of the, you know, get rid of the murder weapon, the bodies, nothing. Like he has no plan. He's just like, fuck this. And he does all this stuff. So they're on two acres, you know, he could have done something, anything. He just decided, nope, I'm done. And he puts the bloody axe in the basement. And the next morning he intercepts a friend heading to school. But the the axe is like, it's just out in the open, like on a table. What the fuck? Yeah. So he's <laughs> like, I'm done. And he just puts it down and he's like, all right, then I'm going to bed. And he like, I don't know if he even slept that night, but then he gets oh up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Then he gets up. Right. The next morning, he intercepts his friend heading to school and he's like, hey, you know, you want to skip school with me? She's like, yeah, you know, whatever. No big deal. So they skip school. And she. This poor girl has no clue what she's about to hear because he tells her all about it. <gasps> so first uh, his friends at school. Now he's telling this chick, like, is he trying to impress her or what? Like, It's one of his friends from school. He's just he's like, you know what? I did what I did. He proceeds to tell his friend all about what happened. He tells her about striking his dad with the axe over and over again because, quote, he wouldn't stop getting back up. Duh. Oh, my God. Right. Meanwhile, a rumor, quote, quotation marks, I'm doing the quote, air quotes, a rumor is circulating around school about David killing his parents, and it, it starts to make its rounds, you think? right? It, <laughs> you catch, think. it catches a teacher's attention, and a school official uh, calls police to report it. Um, so Bernard, David's father, doesn't appear at work the morning of February 18th, and neither younger sibling is at school. So, I mean, it's time to do some fucking footwork here. Like, what's right. going on? David didn't go to school either, right? He skipped school. So now no one's at school, and the parents, are. no one's answering the phone at home, and the police are like, all right, it's time to go over there. We're, we got to do a wellness check. When police arrive, they are met with such a gruesome scene that one of the sheriffs, Sheriff Torgerson, said he would never forget what he saw. Uh, oh. he, he said it didn't take long to see what a heinous crime this was. And he was telling a, a radio station, he was actually on a podcast too, and he said, walking up maybe four to six steps and he could already see two sets of feet in the upstairs hallway. So oh, once, no. once he gets up there, the sight, the smell, the way the bodies looked, it's all burned into his memory. So he's like going back through this. And even in the, when he was getting interviewed by this radio station, he's saying like, my wife and I were going to go on a weekend trip. And we were going to leave that morning, and I got called to go to this house. And he was like, oh, my God, like, we're going to leave after I'm done with work, after what I saw, and go on our vacation. He's like, now I can talk about it because, obviously, it was a long time ago now. But they, him and his wife go to a bed and breakfast, and he's like, and the next morning, you know, you go to sleep, you go to bed, and then you go to breakfast, right? That's how that works. And he's like, the next morning, everyone's dead silent during breakfast. 
and everyone's got a paper on the Brahm axe murders. Like, what the hell happened? And he's like, if they only knew. Because he can't say anything, you know? Right. Since David's nowhere to be found, police initially think that there might have been, like, a kidnapping, like he was abducted or something. And that's the reason why he wasn't found among the slain. The mm. other the other side of the coin, however, is that he's the perpetrator and he's fleeing the scene, which that makes more sense to me. <laughs> but right. you never know. Right. You never know. And this happened in February, right? So you can see the entire house. Everything isn't covered in trees. So it's not as like inconspicuous at this time. Police are scouring the house, and it doesn't take long to locate the murder weapon in the home either. Duh. He just leaves it on the table. It's downstairs in the basement on a table covered with, like, National Geographics and shit, like the magazines. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other stuff on this table. Like, it just looks, like, all disheveled, but I don't know. It just probably was the way that it was, and he just set it there. But later in the evening, after skipping school with his friend and he's done hanging out with her, he's got to find a place to lay low for the night. He's like, I can't go back home. They're probably looking for me. So he heads to a local cement factory where he spends the night in a cement culvert. So it's like a silo type thing. And he's just like sleeping in there. What the fuck? Right, right. So that would not be on the first a hundred things that I would like. <laughs> right. Like in the woods behind the house, that kind of makes sense. Like, oh, maybe he packed a bag or something. No, I don't know. He just went to a cement factory and just whatever. That is bizarre. <laughs> but you know, I even read an article that mentioned that David brought a change of clothes with him and a wig so he could possibly conceal himself. But I don't see it in any other articles, so I'm not going to say that's fact because it's only just one, mm-hmm. and it could be just, oh, and they found this and that. They probably, I don't know. Right. So the next day, however, a person spots David using a payphone next to the local post office and calls police to report where he's located at. Uh, not soon after that, the police show up, and apprehend him, and he's scared ner- and nervous. Like, he's really terrified looking. Honestly, the people that were watching this happen, they're like, kind of looks scared. Well, you better but, be fucking scared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean if, he, if he's scared and he's trying to play it off as, like, oh, my God, someone kidnapped me or whatever, that's one thing. But I probably more likely would believe that, oh, shit, what did I do? Now I'm yeah. scared, like something really bad is going to happen to me. Uh, and that that actually plays a role a little bit later. Like I said, his booking photo is rough because he decided that he's going to shave. Like he had just like a regular, you know, late 80s, like feathery kind of hair, like nothing really too flashy okay. or anything. Just look like a regular kid, 16-year-old kid. He dyes his hair black. He shaved the sides of his hair and spiked the front and the back. It looks like a rough high top cockatoo fade type situation. Oh my God. It's real. It's real something else. Now, Judge Ansi Morris of the Olmstead County District Court said, quote, 
this case was an extreme and monumental tragedy caused by a pathetically sick, depressed mind. We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hey, my name is Lucas. So thank you, NBA, for fucking the Timberwolves over and not giving... They have zero, uh, zero nationally televised games the rest of the yeah. week. And my name is Jason. Things that men love or like in this world. And when I say stuff like that, my examples would be like boobs, butts, beer. beer. I'm Justin. What do you think that paper was right next to the toilet? And we're the hosts of the Drunks vs. the World podcast. You know what? Go ahead and check us out on any social media platform you could find. TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and all the other streaming services. So, uh, we appreciate it. We are Drunks vs. the World. And you know what? Say hi to your moms for me. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. Ouch. Uh, So when the proceedings were completed, Judge Morse retired to her chambers, and she said she actually cried over this horrible crime because she couldn't think that, she couldn't possibly believe that something like this would happen in this community you know it rocked everyone right yeah so now here comes the issue was he mentally competent to stand trial or will this be a not guilty by reason of insanity plea so in 88 yeah i'm ready to hear this doing my research fun fact four states do not recognize the insanity plea at all Um, This is not one of them, but one of them is Kansas, which is in the Midwest, which is surprising. Um, The other ones being Montana, Idaho, and Utah, which I I wonder why they don't. Right. They're sick of the bullshit. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Or there's a lot of it's just a common fucking factor there. I mean, yeah, it could be. Mormons and shit. (laughs) I mean, could it could be? So, polygamist, FDLS, all that around there. <laughs> all that fun stuff. So I wanted to read the McNaughton rule, which is not guilty by reason of insanity plea. For anybody who doesn't know, McNaughton is actually a person that was, you know, in the early stages of um, claiming insanity as a plea. The McNaughton rule is that Every man is to be presumed to be sane and that to establish a defense on the grounds of insanity, it must be clearly proved that at the time of committing the act, the party accused was laboring under such a defect of reason from disease of the mind as not to know the nature and quality of the act he was doing or if he did know it, that he did not know he was doing what he was doing was wrong. So we all know that as not guilty by reason of insanity, but that is actually McNaughton's rule. The psyche veil that they do on him, he's young at the time. He's under 24-hour watch 
because he was suicidal in the past. He definitely just killed his whole family. He is competent to stand trial because he does know what he did was wrong. And so they move forward. Now, the crime was committed when he was 16. Olmstead County. Is, is Minnesota, is that a capital state? Capital murder? Um, you know what? I'm not really sure. Oh. I'm not really sure. I would have to look it up. I did look up a bunch of like capital punishment stuff in the past. So I'm, I don't know if I saw it or not, but um, there is no capital punishment here in this case okay. because the crime was committed by David when he was 16. But Olmstead County Attorney General Raymond Schmitz wanted to prosecute him as an adult. A judge overruled him, saying, well, he was a minor at the time of the crime, which makes sense because you could potentially learn. Your, your brain is not fully developed. There might be some regrets, et cetera, et cetera, right? But... The, sta- <laughs> the, state, the state Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Attorney General. Absolutely, he is getting tried as an adult. He killed four members Good. of his family in cold blood with an axe. If he would have stopped at one, it would have been cause like, for oh, the discussion, I think. You know, yes, but like <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle. I don't, I don't know yeah. about that. So this keeps getting stranger because the trial was divided into two parts. What? Yes. So the first part was, was David guilty? Was he guilty? Part two, however, this is where they're determining if he was so mentally ill at the time that he didn't know what he was doing. It's strange that they would break this up into two parts, which if he already did the psyche veil and they went and tried him in adult court, that this would have already been over with. So it doesn't yeah, make sense they that they would up? do that. Yeah, right, exactly. Ultimately, though, they decide to charge him as an adult and sentence him to three consecutive life sentences and one congruent life sentence on October 17th, 1989, just 15 days after his 18th birthday. Uh, a life sentence is 17 and a half years in Minnesota. Um, oh. That doesn't seem like a life to me. Uh, I had a great time when no. I was 17 and a half, but, uh, you know, he serves three of these and a con- congruent life sentence. Sheriff Torgerson mentions later that everyone was very responsive in helping out in the community after this. I mean, you have... Dad working for a company, they all know him. You have two young children, one in elementary school, one in middle school, and then David, who was obviously lost, and he just lost his mind and decided to do what he did. So the schools were more involved, he said, and the counselors were helping children and their family members deal with the loss of the students at the school, which was very nice of them. The funeral for all four family members at the same time closed casket in a very emotional time for the entire community. So much so, not only were the immediate family and friends there, but the schools loaded up all their buses and took kids to the funeral so they could pay their respects as well. 
Oh, dang. Yeah, that's that's a lot. But, uh, you know, they they did what they felt was right. Yeah. So, so one of the children in attendance was Patty Price, and that was Diane, the younger sister. That was her best friend. And um, it really, this article that I read really shows you, like, how fucked up the community was over this and how stigmatized the murder was in this town because nobody was allowed to talk about it. Patty remembers the horrible incident like it was yesterday, and she got interviewed in 2021 by KTTC. It was just a local news station. And uh, Patty says in her interview that she was at the Brahm household the weekend before the murders occurred, and she couldn't even believe what she was hearing when she got the news that her best friend had passed away. You know, like, she's saying, how can someone do this? And her mother said it was even hard for her to tell her daughter that her friend passed away. She's like, "How, how do you tell your daughter that her best friend just died? And... So she just said, I don't know how to tell you the this, but Diane is dead. Like, just really, she, she kind of just said it, like, bluntly. She's like, I don't know how else to tell you. That's sad. I know. She says that, uh, Patty says she was convinced that David was out of the question. He was like a big brother to me. He was so nice to me always. She's, she was saying stuff like, Maybe he walked into the house and saw what happened and then fled because he was scared. You know, like that, that also could have been a possibility that I didn't even think of when I was reading all this. But the community was so shaken up by this that, you know, people just didn't talk about it. And when you did talk about it, they hushed you. They're like, oh, no, no, we're not talking about that. Oh, typical small town bullshit. Right. So... Patty said that she suffered from anorexia when she was a teenager and when she was in the hospital and when she was talking to professionals about her situation, the staff didn't want to talk to her about the murders either. She's, you know, she said this is something that shaped the rest of her childhood and her early adult life. That interview was the first one ever that she was able to even talk about it. So, yeah, it took her till her mid-30s to speak up about what happened without someone trying to like shut her up basically and um so now she's an advocate for mental health and she is an active uh, psychiatrist i believe or psychologist or i think psychiatrist and um she corresponds with david still she writes him from you know where he's at in prison and she told Local news channel KTTC, uh, he taught, quote, he talks about how much he misses his family. He regrets snapping the way he did. He talks about how much they loved him, and he, you know, very much misses them. So he's regretful. He's, you know, sorry for what he did. Uh, But Patty also said in her interview, she feels like something happened in the church that he doesn't want to talk about that really messed him up, which at this time, you know, they were covering up like all of the priest things. Yep. And, and he all went to that a Catholic school. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that too could be a possibility and he just had enough and his, you know, father, mother and father still wanted him to go to this school. Like there's so many different what if, what if we knew that conversation of, you know, he didn't even want to go to this school or whatever. It could have been, it could have been something way different than all of the, all of the news reports and all of, all the stuff that I read. But David Brom is currently residing in the Minnesota Correctional Facility in Stillwater, Minnesota, and he will be eligible for parole in 2041 when he's 70 years old. So that is the story of the Brom Axe murders. Dang. That leaves Uh, a lot of questions. Exactly. Like, I just stumbled upon this, and I was like, holy cow, I, I have to talk about it. I have to. Yeah. And you know me. I read one article and then, oh, we'll click on this, click on this article. Well, click on, I'm like, oh God, I have like 50 (laughs) tabs open. And, but it was, yeah, I was completely shocked by what I was reading. And these people lived this. It's crazy. It's so bizarre for sure. I can't wait to see what he looks like. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah. You'll have to, with his, you'll have to see. Oh, it's bad. It's real, real bad. I'm going to post both pictures. Actually, three pictures. I'm going to post his picture of him. in. It's just like a Mr. Rogers sweater. It's like a cardigan. And he's just like looking really meek and and just head down and kind of smirking. But he obviously it looks like he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Then he's got this weird photo with the cockatiel hair. And then older him. And he's just like cheesing in his picture in the correctional facility, which, um, I mean, that's weird. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So, uh, we're going to talk about the business a little bit, a little bit of the business, shall we? Yeah. Merchandise. We got it coming. It's coming. It's coming on the 24th. It will be available for purchase. We will have it on our Facebook. And our Facebook only because we don't have a website. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently Instagram does not um, let you sell on Instagram unless you have a website link and it can't be Facebook. I already tried. (laughs) Womp womp. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Technology, social media, I don't fucking get it. But uh, obviously there's that. And then... um, what other business? Oh, we finally made a link tree. So all of our streaming platforms that we're on and some that we didn't put on there that are, you know, your your streaming platforms of choice are on there. Our socials are on there. And how to contact us with your spooky, scary stories or for a sponsorship. So we have that now. And you can I click know, on it. know, it's exciting. It's all in one convenient place. (laughs) Also, kind of speaking of business, just because we know I'm the Apple podcast person, uh, I think we should bring up that I feel like we finally did something, just like you said. We finally kind of made it because we got our first three-star review. We did. Uh, I'm just wondering... Maybe it's one of my exes, I feel like, probably, since they all seem to follow the podcast so well. Thanks. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I who was else like it would shit. Be, but I'm like, damn, who'd we piss off? Like, that's great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what though? 
it really makes it look like people are legitimately reviewing the podcast. And I do appreciate, even if it's a one star, I do appreciate it because you know, we, we're always striving to get better. We're obviously not I a news, news podcast. We, we're not it's a storytelling podcast per se, but we like to talk about this type of stuff. And if we can improve upon it in some way, that's fantastic. So, yeah, and I was just going to say, I was just going to say, hey, three star, can you leave us a comment too? So that way we know what how, what we're doing that sucks. Is it my <laughs> so voice? So we can improve on it. <laughs> I can't I change mean. it. <laughs> Would you like it better if I sounded like this? <laughs> oh, um, so I just want to, I wasn't going to say this, but seeing as the fact that I've received five messages on Facebook and one on Instagram um, from people. I don't know who the fuck you are. Thank you for saying I have a good ASMR voice, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. I'm like, do you want me to record something for you? <laughs> we, we might work something out. <laughs> a bitch has <Yeah>. some bills. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is that was funny. I was like, are you serious? Oh, uh, they keep coming in too. Like wow. they're they're still coming in. So yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, but hey, good job. Apparently, Amanda, right. <laughs> good job. All right, all right. And last but certainly not least, we are going to be going to Fort Wayne Pride. I'm gonna I'm Yay. gonna say it for Pride Month. We're going to Fort Wayne Pride. It is at the end of July. We will be there. We will have a booth for both days. When it gets closer to the date, we will obviously let you guys know in case you want to come by, maybe say hi, whatever you want to do. We're very friendly people. We're kind of shy, but that's all right. But yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to post it on all of our socials, where we're going to be, what we're going to be near, so you can come find us if you want. And we're going to have more merch for sale there. We're going to be talking to people, and you can get your picture taken in front of our huge banner, Monsters of the Midwest. So I'm really excited about going again because, hell, yes, I had fun last time, even though I sweated half to death. Right. It was a lot of fun. I'm excited to go back. I'm excited they wanted us back. That's I know. So, you know what? We're just going to close out this episode with a good old-fashioned warning, a Midwestern warning, if you will. Do not tell anybody that you're going to kill your parents, please. And always come in when the streetlights come on. Don't forget to lock all your doors. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.